Welcome to Life Without Secrets. Do you often find yourself comparing your life to your friends on social media? You see the glamour, the success, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the awesome vacations. But what's really behind the highlight reel? In Life Without Secrets, we are going to dive deep and reveal the secrets, struggles, and strategies people have used in real life to get to who they are now and who they are becoming. Because the truth is, nobody is perfect, and you are never alone in what you're going through. So don't forget to subscribe to the show, because it's time to connect on a deeper level and grow together. Happy Monday. I convinced my husband to come back with us today again. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Last Monday, we talked about communication styles and how they affect the way we communicate. And today, we're going to learn and talk through different attachment styles. My hope is that by knowing and understanding yourself and your own attachment style, as well as your partner's, you can work together to build a more secure and satisfying relationship or just work on yourself before you jump into a relationship. Attachment theory was first developed by John Bowlby and describes how the quality of the early relationship between a child and their primary caregiver shapes their attachment style. The attachment style is a set of behaviors and beliefs that an individual develops in response to the availability and responsiveness of their caregiver. These styles are carried into adulthood and can impact the way we approach romantic relationships. So obviously, like, when I give you these four attachment styles, they're not set in stone and they can change over time. But from the research I've done, basically your attachment style is actually started to form at, in an infant. And it's basically on how your parent responds to your crying or your needs as even as little as an infant up to 11 months old. So it's important to note that these styles can change or be triggered. You can be triggered into attachment style. But there are four main styles, and they are secure attachment, anxious preoccupied attachment, dismissive avoidant attachment, and fearful avoidant attachment. So people with a secure attachment style, that's the one you want. They are comfortable with intimacy and are able to communicate their needs effectively. They're not afraid of rejection or abandonment and are trusting of their partner. People with this attachment style tend to have long-lasting and satisfying relationships. Well, that sure sounds easy. (laughs) The next one is anxious preoccupied attachment, and this is characterized by a strong desire for emotional closeness and intimacy in relationships, combined with a fear of rejection and abandonment. They can also have intense emotional ups and downs, and this attachment style is often associated with a childhood environment in which attachment needs were inconsistently met and where the child may have felt uncertain or anxious about their caregiver's availability or responsiveness. And then there's the dismissive avoidant attachment style. This is characterized by a tendency to avoid emotional closeness and intimacy in relationships. They also may struggle to communicate their emotions and may prefer to handle things on their own. This attachment style is often associated with a childhood environment in which emotional expression and attachment needs were discouraged or ignored. And finally, people with a fearful avoidant attachment style have conflicting feelings about intimacy. They may want to be close to their partner, but also fear rejection and abandonment. And they usually struggle with emotional regulation and may have a tendency to push their partner away. So if you've listened to our episode 
of me and Mike together. Um, it's called Unpacking Our Grief Cases. You will hear a more in-depth version of our story that can give you a little background into our attachment styles. But for this episode, we're going to focus more on which attachment style we fall into and how that has affected our own relationship. So for me, my attachment style, I fall into, and obviously I've worked on this, so I think that me and Mike definitely fall more into a secure attachment style, but we have put in a lot of work. Um, We went to therapy for over a year and we did different types of therapy. Um, We've done um, a Christian therapist. We've seen attachment-based theory therapists. We've done um, EMDR therapy. So we've done it all um, and worked through our traumas and our attachment issues. So the thing that we dealt with is that I am a dismissive avoidant attachment style. So this is the one that avoids emotional closeness and intimacy in a romantic relationship. And Mike, do you want to talk about yours? Yeah. Um, mine's uh, the anxious preoccupied. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, for me prior to this, there's a lot of just, you know, things that I've had to work through in my past that unfortunately, because of my upbringing and different things with caregiving and, you know, I came from a broken family, step family built, you know, built the family, from kind of rocky grounds, uh, that was my attachment style. And yeah, working through it, obviously we all want to get to the secure attachment, but the only way we can get there is kind of figure out where we're at and then point in the direction of where we want to go and then putting that roadmap together, which has obviously helped us through counseling and different pointers, getting the right mentors, people with wisdom, and really helping you to understand the ins and the outs of and just knowing each other and knowing what each other wants. Yeah. So, and it's funny because when we met, obviously I don't, I feel like attachment styles, you don't really think about when you meet somebody, right? Like, and we, we tell our fairy tale um, in an episode as well on how we met, but I don't think attachment styles, you know, really come up until you start dealing with conflict in your relationship. And that's when you're like, okay, we have, we have different attachment styles and we didn't call it that because we didn't know anything about it. But this is when, um, having a different attachment style and actually ones that clash together, which we'll go over, um, became a really big problem in us solving conflict. And when we would have a conflict, we would both leave. Nobody would win. Like we didn't win together. We didn't win separately. And we both left feeling kind of alone and unloved. Um, and so when we went to therapy, we went to, we did some attachment based therapy and our therapist, um, would call our conflicts, the crazy cycle. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get into this pursue withdraw pattern, or I like to say pursue and avoid pattern. And what happens here is Mike pursues me because he's looking for emotional connection, um, especially in conflict. He has, he's more of like fear I'm going to leave. So he's looking for that um, emotional connection. And so he's pursuing me. And when I am in conflict, my response is to withdraw and distance myself. And so then when he keeps pursuing and then I just keep retreat, 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 like my alarms are going off inside my body, like 
you know, I, I need to get away. And he's like, keeps pursuing because that's how he knows in his attachment style, you know, that's what he, that's what he does. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think that, you know, not all men, but a lot of men are fixers. So for me, a lot of the pursuing is let's just knock this out. Let's figure this out. Let's get it done. Let's forgive each other. You know, I think a lot of it goes back to that conversation. When I think about it and I'm thinking, hey, the great thing is we can get this done now. We can fix this. We can get it done. But really what I'm doing, it's almost like I'm putting the knife in and just digging it around. around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because it it makes you more upset, more triggered, more mad. And basically like you revolt more or you retreat more. Yeah. And so the, and the thing is too, like, you know, one of the things, and we'll go over this as well, but one of the things is, you know, identifying your triggers is like one of the steps we had to take in order to kind of heal this pattern that we were in for so long. And, you know, when I look back on it, a lot of the triggering was done even before like he would be present or get home from work. It was like, I was constantly trying to regulate my nervous system all day while with kids, um, being that my attachment style is the dismissive avoidant. I am having to constantly regulate my emotions because our kids have really big emotions and they're very touchy feely. And, um, obviously I love my kids so much, but it's, I am, I'm feeling like tapped out and touched out and overwhelmed. And one of the things that happens when I'm in conflict, um, in my attachment style is I immediate feel immediately feel overwhelmed. And by the time he gets home, I already feel overwhelmed. So it could be something so small, like, you know, like him standing in front of me and not letting me by because he wants a hug. And that is like triggering for me. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, now you need something too, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, like I was raised in my attachment style. It goes along with this as well that, um, I, you know, don't depend on anybody. We're very self-sufficient, independent. And so, I'm, I'm like, you're an adult. Like, why do you need me? You know, because that's like foreign to me. That's not, that wasn't the attachment style I was given because, you know, it's just the way I was raised. And so we were in this very clashing, very crazy cycle where nothing was getting resolved. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, so we, we, we went to therapy for a long time and we would have to role play. And I feel like we failed miserably for months at this. (laughs) Do you remember that? Like sitting in there and then, and we'd have to like, I'd say something, we'd have a conflict and we'd literally save it for therapy session because we couldn't talk through it by ourselves because we would end up in the crazy cycle. Yeah. I, I specifically remember we didn't rehearse this. So I hope you guys like this one. I specifically, I specifically remember repeat back what you heard. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was a conversation over while she said this, no, but what did you hear? And I'm like, well, this is what I heard. And it was more of a listening to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Which was, it's hard because usually what you find is as you're talking, I'm already uh, winding up my brain 
to answer the what I or pre I pre pre believe that you're about to say or you're saying. So I'm already coming up with my uh, rebuttal or my <laughs> you know my conversation as to why I did that versus actually listening to what you said. So if it's hey, I was so upset that the kids were doing this and they jumped off the wall and they did this and they set this up. I'm over here going, well, you don't even know what happened in my day. And that's like crazy. I went to this and I set this up and I started doing this. So I'm already thinking about my day when she says that, but I got to actually get good at actively listening to what she said. Mm -hmm. So what did you say? Oh, you talked about the kids and how they jumped off the wall and then they did this and they set that up. That must be so crazy, right? That yeah. And that's what truthfully people need and you know you need it is mm -hmm. to be heard well and part of those listening skills um that we had to do over and over again in our role playing and handling our conflict um we failed at it a lot but i think the purpose of it in the end is not only like to figure out a way to communicate that which we talked about you know in our last episode but it was to recognize that there was a pattern mm -hmm. and recognize when we're in the crazy cycle. So by role-playing, we were able to recognize, oh man, okay, we've entered the crazy cycle, you know? And I think like before you can fix something, you have to be aware that it's happening. And so that, I think that was actually a really huge thing for us. And that's why we don't end up in the crazy cycle a lot anymore obviously it still happens because we're not perfect but you know it's a a lot less than it was two years ago like I feel like it was just a repeated thing almost like every time we have a conversation we'd be like building resentment mm -hmm. um so if I could give or if we could give some steps to work through this pattern with this these types of attachment styles his being the anxious, preoccupied, and mind being the dismissive avoidant, um, it would be number one, you have to recognize that you're in the pattern of the pursue withdrawal. One person is pursuing and the other one is withdrawing. Um, and then identifying triggers that cause the pattern to occur. Um, so, you know, for us, that, like I said, it was, I'm home with kids. There's big emotions happening, touchy-feely all day. I'm already overwhelmed. And then he comes home and wants me to touch him and give him, you know, all this stuff. And then when I don't, he feels rejected, not wanted. And so it was, you know, we have to, and then he goes into his cycle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so then he's in his anxious, preoccupied, and I'm in my, and he's like trying to pursue to get what he wants. So he doesn't feel rejected. And I'm over here like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go hide in the, my closet. So, so everybody stops touching me and talking to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and I think that, you know, that leads into the third point, which was communication, right? And mm -hmm. we can touch on communication, but communication is so important in the middle of this because, you know, it might be like she said, you know, the answer is she needs some time. You know, if I go away on a trip, you know, yeah. it's not to come home and give you all of the, oh my God, this is the most incredible thing. All this good stuff happened when really what you've been dealing with is, you know, changing crappy diapers and doing this and setting that up when really what you need is just for the first maybe two or three hours is for me to take the kids and say, Hey babe, mm -hmm. I love you. Um, I'm going to take the kids. We're going to go to the park and give you that decompressed time. Right. Yes. But I would have never known that had we not gone through this counseling 
Yeah. And now it's like, wait a second, when I come in, I'm all animated, big emotions. Yeah. And, and you're wanting to feel loved and appreciated for like working hard. Mm -hmm. And so you're wanting my physical touch to make you feel loved and appreciated. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, I have been with these children for three days without you. And <laughs> like, here, bye. <laughs> I used to save that for later, but yes, that's true. Yeah. I, I need that. And the affirmation of, you know, really who, who we are as a couple of, we're still in love, right? We still love each other. We still want the affirmation of, you know, just physical touch and being the one that she wants. And like, those are big things, but it's, it really helps by communicating is kind of what we're getting at is communicating your needs and me communicating my needs and say, Hey, you can make time and being anxious, right? What is that? You know, we were talking about this is it's really, for me, it's not really knowing what the future is. So it's like, Hey, I want to give you this and get you what you need for your actual needs for your, to make you feel loved. And then it's like, Hey, we'll, you know, we'll connect, we'll do this. We'll, you know, let's grab uh, a bite and let's just sit and, you know, talk or, or through a movie or sit next well, to each other. Well, and for other. you, it'd be like, you know, scheduling, like when we're going to have time to, you know, <laughs> you know, have sex <laughs> or, you know, snuggle like on the couch and, you know, right. like actually snuggle, not just sit next to me. Like I like, <laughs> um, just like creating space for each other's needs. And like when we do get into a conflict talking about communication too, um, when we get into the crazy cycle now and like we recognize it, we identify it and then we ask for what we need. So like now I can be like, you know, I know he is going to feel rejected when I retreat or when I withdraw. And so it's like, Hey, I, I feel triggered right now. I need X amount of time. And then I will carry on this conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I will come back and we can have this conversation and resolve it. But right now, I need space. And and from what we've learned in therapy, like we give a time. And depending on how big that argument was, like there has been times where I'm like, no, we're talking about it within the next 24 hours. Or it might just be something small. And I'm like, you know what? I need 20 minutes to cool off because I feel triggered and we can come back and have a better conversation. Yeah. And I think by doing that and a repeated pattern, mm -hmm. the fourth thing that we have listed here is to build trust that mm -hmm. builds trust. Yeah. Right. Same thing with putting up, we talked about boundaries, right? Hey, my boundaries are, I don't want to be, you know, pursued right now. Let's talk about it tomorrow. And you being able to trust me with those feelings to say, Hey, you know what? I got to respect that. I got to respect your boundaries that you threw up, not be a baby and, whine and pout and cry until I get my way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And Jill does a lot of whining and pouting. And crying, yeah. So right. Just for the record. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny is like, you know, before we started doing this therapy and really working on ourselves and stuff, like I would literally brag about like not having very many emotions. Like, Oh, I don't remember the last time I cried. I mean, the amount of times you've seen me cry in our entire 13 years of being together or so, like probably not very many, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I mean, I think through this healing journey, I have cried more 
you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And we've really made and overcome a lot there. To to add to that, not to go too far off topic, but, you know, the one thing that our Christian counselor talked about was that that's basically the gateway, right? It's the way that it flushes you out and it helps you. And that's the way to the emotions, the real feeling, the real emotions is, is the tears and letting them come, Yeah, you know, cause I'm the opposite. I'm Mm -hmm. totally the, the cry baby, not really, but (laughs) I feel emotions and my emotions are big and I like happiness and joy. And if I have sadness, yeah, yeah. exactly. And if I'm just, you know, passionate about, you know, something that I feel with the Holy Spirit, I want to feel those tears of joy come into my, my eyes, you know, it's just like, they are good, you know, expressive things. And I feel great after I, you know, sob a little bit, or I get tears out. It just, I feel better Mm -hmm. after it comes out. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, that's kind of the pointers that, you know, obviously it was a little harder for you to do. And it still is as you grow, you know, through that, but it is, you know, one of those things where the quality of your life lies in the quality of your emotions, right? So the idea of if you can have good quality well, this or... You yeah. Know. And I think that like my emotions don't need to look as big as yours. No. I just have to be able to feel right. feel them. Like I don't, you know, I don't have to have, but it is a protective mechanism and it comes also with this attachment style. You know, I avoid the emotion. I avoid that... Um, you know, I'm, I'm very self-sufficient, you know, I don't want to be weak, you know, I was, that's just how I was raised almost. So yeah, for my homework assignments, when we were doing that counseling in the beginning, it was like, watch this really sad movie and cry. And I was like, Oh, I don't think I can do that. And then I'd watch a movie and I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't, it didn't hit me that way. But yeah. And I, I, you know, th- these are things, you know, even being a parent, right. Yeah. For me, I was big about this is, you know, if my son is sad, it's okay for him to be sad and to recognize and say, okay, Hey Blake, it's okay to be sad. Mm-hmm. Dad gets sad too. Mm-hmm. Or, Hey, if you're yeah. mad, it's okay. Dad gets mad too. Mm-hmm. Right. And then kind of w- some ways that we can work through it. Right. Yeah. Trying not to leave our generational trauma with our children yeah. there. <laughs> um, And then, you know, so basically just to go over some tips again to work through a pursue withdrawal pattern, if that's you as well. So number one is recognize the pattern. Number two is identify the triggers. Three is communication, working on that. Four is build trust. And then five, seek therapy. Like there's nothing wrong with getting help from a therapist and what it did for us is just like help each other come from a place of understanding, you know, that, you know, this is, this is the deep attachment, you know, comes from when we're little and those are like deeper wounds in there. And I have my own deeper wounds and that, you know, this is how it kind of came up in our conflict and we're going to work through it. And so, you know, it's been a lot of work. Um, but with both of our commitment, like, we're two people willing to put in the work, um, and communicate through it. Like, you know, I think that it's possible to come out on the other side and now we can have more of a secure attachment. Is it perfect? No. Do we go in and out of it? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, but I can tell you it's 10 times better than before we started going to therapy and started, you know, our own kind of growth journey, especially with, for me. Mm -hmm. 
um, has been huge for the success of our relationship. So um, I wanted to also give you guys, you know, for people that maybe aren't in a relationship and, um, you know, these are the attachment styles are definitely formed in romantic relationships, but I think there's like a few things that you can do in your life before a relationship that can help improve your chances of having a secure attachment with a partner um, and forming one with yourself. So, excuse me. So the first one is practice self-care. So taking care of yourself physically, emotionally, and mentally is obviously essential for developing a healthy sense of self-worth. I don't know why that (laughs) word is so hard. Um, So make sure you're getting enough sleep, eating good, healthy food, exercising regular, and engaging in activities that bring you joy and fulfillment. This builds um, self-worth and confidence in yourself. Um, And then work on communication skills. Obviously, that's a huge part that we've talked about in the last episode as well, like to having a healthy relationship. So how to um, communicate effectively with others and being able to be honest with yourself about your emotions, needs, and your boundaries. So maybe it's sitting with your emotions and figuring out how do I really feel and what makes you feel that way? And have you ever felt that way before? And is it related? So is it something that's deeper inside of you that maybe you need to work through in order to um, form a more secure attachment later? Um, obviously seeking therapy or counseling, we will always be, um, up for that. And then just developing supportive friendships and connections. So having a network of supportive friends and family that can help you feel connected and secure and know what that secure, um, relationship will feel like. And then practice self-reflection, take some time to reflect on your past experiences, um, and relationships to identify patterns that could be impacting your attachment style and yeah implementing those kind of strategies so that you can develop a more secure attachment style just to uh, add to the the fourth one in developing supportive friendships you know i think it's big that you find the circles that build you up right i think as you really start getting into those circles if you got that friend that just always talks about drama and does this and says like everybody's got those But, you know, when you find yourself just stuck in those circles where you kind of walk out of those conversations or around those friends and you're just beat up and it's all your energy is exhausted, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it might be worth reevaluating those friendships, what they're bringing into your life and helping you to get to a more positive piece of life of where you want to be. Yeah. Well, they could be, you know, exhibiting a different attachment style too, and putting their insecurities on you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so when you're finding a secure attachment, make sure that person is also working on themselves. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Well, I'm sending you a giant hug. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Life Without Secrets. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.